Hello and welcome back to Falling Out. As ever, I am your host, Elgin Strait. And before we get to this week's interview, I have a few orders of business. Number one, I was very recently interviewed for the QAnon Anonymous podcast. The topic of discussion was the connections between the Moonies and the Washington Times and the right wing in the U.S. and how that has congealed into the clusterfuck that is QAnon and Trumpism and anti-vaxxism and all this bullshit. And myself and many other kids who grew up in the Moonies have been screaming at the top of our lungs trying to get people to understand that all this is related and it all started with Moon and the Moonies. Anyway, we've been screaming about this shit for a long time and... I finally found a good form to have that conversation. You should check out the QAnon Anonymous podcast. It's episode number 160. I'm so grateful that those guys gave me the opportunity to go on their podcast and connect those dots because it's not something that's the main focus of this show, although it comes up. We don't talk about it in great depth. Those guys really did, and it was phenomenal. So check that out. I'll put that link in the show notes. Also, as a result of being on that show, this show has gotten a significant amount of increased exposure and a significant amount of new listeners. All of that has resulted in Falling Out being currently, as I'm recording this on the 26th of September, number 12 on the U.S. charts on Apple under personal journals. Incidentally, it's number 140 in the U.S. in the category of society and culture. That is above the podcast that has Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. It's also above the Michelle Obama podcast. So I think we're doing all right around here. Um, also, just looking at the stats now, 12 in the U.S., number 19 in Canada, number 20 in the U.K., all in the categories of personal journals. This means that this show right here is now in the top 20 in the top three English-speaking podcasting markets in the world. That's fucking amazing. Thank you for making that happen. Finally, we're in the top 10 in Finland, and we are number seven in personal journals in Qatar. So uh, I don't know who you are in Qatar and Finland, but I would love to hear from you. So reach out. And if you're new to the show, as always, please, please hit that like button on whatever platform you're on. Subscribe. That makes a big difference. And leave ratings and reviews on Apple and Spotify and any other platform. That all really helps. Uh, also, if you'd like to support what we're doing, please consider contributing on patreon.com slash falling out pod. Suffice it to say, I didn't ever think I'd be... um above Barack Obama on any chart. So yeah, I'll fucking take that. Thank you very much. Let's get down to business for this week. This week, my guest is Yose Sama. This one was, this is a difficult listen. I'm not going to lie. Amongst all the interviews that I've done, I, I don't think there has ever been someone who has been made to feel such guilt and such shame at such a young age for things that were just not their fucking fault. Think about the way that that could haunt you for the rest of your life. I mean, it's just, this is a heartbreaking story. And then you think about the the chaos and upheaval. Try to keep track of how many times he moves. You'll hear on the tape, 11 times in his first 11 years is the number of times he moved. Once a year. Can you imagine the amount of chaos and upheaval that that would cause in your life? I also want to say one other thing. You know, one of the great honors and pleasures of doing this show is becoming friends with all of my guests in the run-up to doing the interview and then keeping in touch with them afterwards. And Yosei, like all my guests, is someone who I've kept in touch with since doing the recording. And um, I'm not going to go into details, but I just want to say he, he was there for me at a time 
when I needed a bit of support and I was going through a rough patch on my side, he was there for me in a way that I'm quite certain no one in this cult ever would have been there for me. So I want to say thanks to Yosef for being there when I needed a friend and being the friend that this cult never gave me, except when it spit us both out. Thank you to Yosef for getting involved. Here it is, part one with Yosef. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Yose, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you very much. Great to see you. Um, Likewise. I guess, uh, okay, let's start with where you're calling from, and then let's talk a little bit about the your kind of who you are and the history of your name. Uh, sure. And then we'll go to a bit, bit more history about you, basically. Sure thing. Uh, so I'm calling in from North Carolina. Um, lived here for about three years, and uh, I moved out here from California uh, where I spent the last uh, about 14, 15 years or so. And this will become a, a pattern that's mm. very apparent in my life mm. of just constantly moving around. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll dive into that, definitely. Yeah. Uh, so my name, uh, it's actually a little tongue-in-cheek. Uh, I go Online, I go by the name Yosei-sama um, because, uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I grew up in this this weird church that was obsessed with all things Japanese and Korean. So <laughs> when I was a teenager, I, I got obsessed with a lot of things that were, you know, uh, from Korea and Japan. And um, uh, one of my best friends from high school, we were really obsessed with J-Rock and uh, we wanted to give ourselves J-Rock names. Sorry. What? Okay. What's J-Rock? So J-Rock is short for Japanese rock. Okay, I was going to say, I think that's what it is, but I just want to make sure I understand. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we we used a, um, uh, we used a Japanese English dictionary and we looked up uh, a few different words and tried out a diff- <laughs> few different things. And we found the word yosei and there's a few different definitions of it. Uh, it's an older Japanese word that's not really used that much anymore, but it's kind of like, it's kind of like wood nymph. Or four okay. spirits, okay. uh, great fairy, that kind of thing. Um, and we thought, well, oh, you know, that's, that's pretty fitting. Um, and then the suffix sama, uh, for all you ex-moonies, it's kind of like the word nim a little bit. <laughs> so it's supposed to be sarcastic. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. At the so- time... I was really obsessed with uh, a guy named Miyabi, who's a Japanese rocker. Uh, and he made a movie called Ore-sama, which is basically like uh, exalted self mm. or like, you know, honored yeah. self, that okay. kind of thing. You, okay. Sama is like a suffix you'd use for like people who are really high up in the hierarchy or yeah. like their royalty or something like okay. that. Okay. So that, you know, it, <laughs> just a real stupid name. Hey, um, you know what? I just want to point out, you, you, there's there's just as much validity in you calling yourself Yusei Sama as anyone in the Moon, fall, moon family just just randomly adding Nim to the to the end of their name. Like you, you yeah. deserve just as much honor as they do. Just which is not much. That <laughs> so, yeah, actually, I think you deserve more. Let's be let's be clear. Uh, I don't know about that, but um, yeah, that's putting myself on too high of a pedestal. But yeah, they they should definitely be brought down a couple yeah, of nights or three for sure. Um, so my real name is, uh, Gilchrist 
And that name was given to me by my dad, I believe, who is British. And he chose Gilchrist, even though it's a surname, mm. uh, he chose it because it means servant of Christ. Okay. So, you know, kind of sets me up for uh, certain expectations throughout my life. Yeah, that's, yep. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've never been fond of my name. Uh, I went, I went by another name. Uh, the, I really, really hated growing up called Gilly, um, (laughs) that my aunt gave me, um, as, as a little nickname. It was cute when I was tiny, but you know, I carried that nickname like throughout the majority of my life and Mm. I, I hated it so much. And, um, when I was in, in high school, I was like, I'm just, I'm going to change it to something else. And I ended up just shortening it down to Gil. Okay. And I've never been happy with that name. And mm-hmm. I use it in, in real life and in the professional world, but online, I don't use it. Yeah. Um, now, a big part of the reason why I go by that name online is because um, I, will, I really try hard to keep my work life and personal life separate. Mm. But also, I try to keep my real life and church life separate. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I don't want my parents finding me on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. I don't want other church members finding me. And so by using that name, it gives me freedom to kind of open up and just be whoever I want to be yeah. and express myself without any fear of either retribution or judgment or anyone trying to win me back yeah yeah have have they tried to win you back like via your your other like your 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 legal name yeah um so when i was uh when i was um my very very early 20s like 18 to 20 um i had my real name on facebook and then my parents were on Facebook and some other church members. And I, I can't remember if people messaged me or not, but I started to just kind of feel really uncomfortable about being connected to them. So mm-hmm. I just decided to like, I saw that other people were able to change their name on Facebook. So like, I'm, I'm going to do that mm-hmm. and just kind of blocked everything. And, uh, and then like a year later or so, I went through this whole thing of cutting off with my parents, I told them not to contact me and I didn't speak to them for about six years. Um, and eventually I, I opened up to them again, but there was a long period of time where I didn't want them knowing where I was, what I was doing. I didn't want to contact content, want them to contact me or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Okay. That's understandable. And I'm I'm sure we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. Um, so can you just, can you help the audience understand sort of what, where and when you were born i think first of all i think that that helps people to, to kind of place you to sure yeah uh so i was born in rhinebeck new york uh okay. in 1989 okay and my parents are part of the madison square garden uh 1982 okay. mass wedding in new york mm-hmm. um whatever number of couples they they never say the year they always say the number of couples I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, with the, with the exception of Madison Square Garden, right? There, like, there is no. No, even else. even even that one too. Like, uh, God, like I don't know, 
I might be getting this right. 2075. That's, I think it was 2075. Yeah. I, I, that's what's going in my head. Um, yeah. But I don't they, know. It's some weird, some weird symbolic numerology thing. But, yeah. but they, they never say what year it was. They always go by like how many members were mm, there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you're a boy. Okay. Uh, and do you, did your parents do, like, do they spend time in kind of New York city sort of in the, the world mission center there? And then it kind of moved up to UT. So the unification theological seminary is, is near Rhinebeck, right? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, it's somewhere around there. So my, my early years are very, very hazy. Okay. Um, and unfortunately I don't have too much my family history anymore. Um, so that, that whole time is, is a little bit of a blur. I know that, uh, my dad is from England and okay. my, my mom, uh, from New Jersey, New York, okay. um, I think actually Yonkers. I think she was born in Yonkers. Okay. Um, so my dad came to the U.S. in the 70s, um, and both of them found the church around the same time, and they mm-hmm. met each other in New York, you know, through the matching. Yeah. Um, and I think they just stayed there because New yeah. York was where my dad came to, and that's where she was from. So okay. um, why Rhinebeck? I'm not sure. It's probably close to UTS. I don't yeah. exactly remember where UTS is. It, it is. It is. I, I, I'm reasonably familiar with that area. And I think it's, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes away from, yeah. from UTS. And so there's kind of a, a big sort of church community up there. Yeah. I, I think we spent some time in the New, New Yorker hotel. I'm not okay. entirely sure. Okay. I know that we lived in Poughkeepsie for a little while when I was, okay. when I was little. Okay. Um, a few other things uh but my memories really kind of kick in around age four or five okay. uh we lived in white plains new york which is a little suburb right outside of new york city yeah. uh westchester county which is actually right across uh from uh tarrytown and um sleepy hollow where the uh belvedere estate yeah is. that's where the moon's estate is right yeah, so real real yeah. close by there. Yeah. Um, and we lived in a large house uh with uh two other uh church member families. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a uh, I believe it was a house that was owned by the church. Okay, interesting. Any idea did you have a, a name but that you remember by any chance? The house? Yeah. Uh I mean I can give you the address. I don't know if the I, <laughs> I no, it's fine. I just, I, cause I just know like in certain places, they just, they, they just have names like, and, and sometimes it's oh, just based right, on that. Right. Uh, it's just based on the, the location itself. I mean, so in DC where I grew up, there was a church, church house called Upshur house. Mm. And it, it, it was located on Upshur street. Uh, right. and they had, they had a house two blocks away called Varnum house, which was, was on, you guessed it, Varnum street. Yeah. Uh, so kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of like in, 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 in England, they have Lancaster gate or yeah well yeah um, and it's just uh yeah it's a church center in lancaster gate and people just call it lancaster gate just yeah i'll see you at lancaster gate basically it's i don't think it had a name i think it was just the house in white plains okay that I grew up okay with. all right uh, maybe it had a name i don't know um but was it big enough for three families uh yeah i mean it's a pretty decently sized house it wasn't massive but okay. um i i shared a room with my parents and another family lived across the hall 
Okay. And I think uh, downstairs was one more family. Okay. And it was like, uh, it had two floors, a basement and an attic that was like, basically like a third floor. Okay. Um, so it was, it was a pretty decent amount of space. It wasn't like we were all crammed in and huddled in a mm-hmm. hut. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like, yeah, that, that's, that, that's not an overarching memory is just being like crammed in together with people. No. And actually the weird thing is this is like, this is where my happiest memories are. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, just like being like five years old, running around with my friends uh, who lived in the same house. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I have memories of, uh, um, getting up at you know five in the morning to do pledge, and uh, we would all get rewarded with like fruit roll up or something like mm. that. Like we'd get in like a little treat. Okay. And it's funny because I was I was talking to someone else about this who said like, "Oh, you got good treats." <laughs> I, was like, I didn't think about it like that. Yeah, I guess we did. We were a little spoiled. Um, yeah, but, I didn't. Know, I like, didn't get anything. We just we 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 woke up. We we did pledge. We did the prayers. We did whatever, and then we just went back to sleep. Uh, there were there were no treats. Yeah, I think a lot of that was my mom. Uh, she was she was always really like wanting to try and take care of me and the other kids around us. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. And, and so wait. So you, and you you don't have any siblings. i don't i'm an only child sort of i have a stepbrother we'll get to that later okay okay but so in terms of this this house you were there with your parents and the two other families uh correct yeah okay and no other siblings from your from your family okay okay and how many kids were there so uh there were the the family across the hall they had two kids one who was a little bit older than me and one who was my age and the one who was just a little bit younger. Okay. Um, and then later on, I think they had two more kids. Oh, wow. Um, not right. while they were there, but there, there were, yeah. So there were, there were at least three young children. Um, and then the family that lived downstairs had a little girl. Okay. All right. So there's a good, there's a good, like decent crew to, to, to run with when you're, yeah five years old okay exactly okay um okay um so then all right so that's okay and actually just one question so okay so you mentioned i i'm just writing down i'm going to try and keep track of all the places you've lived sure uh, and so far you've mentioned rhinebeck white plains and poughkeepsie all in that in the new york area now yep was this all by the age of five or or did- yep and there's actually okay. just to okay. squeeze one more in. Okay. Uh, so in, I think 1992 or something like that, when I was okay. about uh, 92 and 83, I was about two, three years old. Yeah. Um, my parents actually separated. My, my mom left my dad okay. and took me down to New Orleans. Uh, cool. And okay. I think we lived in the church center there. I'm not entirely sure, but we stayed there for about a year. And then my dad um, somehow kind of made up with my mom a little okay. bit, and then they decided to move back to New York. So for a wow. brief period of time, <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was in New Orleans, and part of me thinks like that might be why I don't remember my early childhood that mm. that much, um, whereas some other people do. Uh, yeah. they remember their younger years. Yeah, and I have to actually. Um, 
a couple of years ago, I had this sort of realization because my memory is so terrible and spotty. Um, unless I'm like, I have to remember things that have happened to my, to me and in my life events by the places that I've been in. Mm. They, they kind of bookend certain time frames in my life. And, uh, I I had this realization that they're like my horcruxes in a way. Mm. If you're familiar with Harry Potter, I've only read one book. My son has read all seven. So Uh, Horcrux is kind of like what, what the, the evil Lord, what he does, he casts this spell to break up his spirit into, seven or eight parts and each part of his soul that he he stores in a physical item and that's a horcrux and if that item is destroyed it destroys a part of his soul Mm. or if if they're all collected together he he's reborn um so i see them as like they're all parts of my soul scattered around the places i lived and like they hold (laughs) they hold the key to Mm. my memory all the missing pieces yeah Interesting. Interesting. But that's, I'm just thinking about that. I mean, so, okay. By the age of five, that's four different places that you've lived already. I, I mean, that's okay. That's like, okay. And, and I'll say this right now. You're going to lose count. <laughs> no, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and keep, keep count. <laughs> sure. Okay. That'd be my a little personal challenge here. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just, that just sounds incredibly chaotic to just to, just to think of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely, it definitely felt that way quite a bit, but um, I guess I'll just kind of launch into the story yeah. uh, to, to, get yeah. a, to get a feel for it because yeah, one yeah. kind of cascades after the other and yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll give a better it. understanding. Yeah. So that house in White Plains, uh, like I said, that was the happiest time that I've ever been in my life. You know, like run around with my friends who lived across the hall and like we'd play Nintendo, we'd play in the backyard and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I, you know, spent a lot of time with my parents and just had, had a lot of fun, you know, you're little and that's, that's, that's the time when, yeah. you know, before school happens and yeah, you know, all the good, good things happen. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing happened. Uh, I also went to Jacob house at the same time, Okay. which, okay. uh, for those who don't know, that is the, um, school slash daycare center that they had in new york yeah. for a lot of the, the bcs yeah um and so were, were you there were you there like on a daycare basis or like your parents left you there like... i went there for sunday school okay so all right i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't one of the abandoned children yeah okay um i went there to to learn korean and yeah. to this day <laughs> uh to this day i can still read korean but not know what i'm saying just like same thing. A lot of us. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I can read it phonetically and it is, I kind of, I weirdly have to sort of give it credit. I feel like it's one of the few, the few languages that where once you learn how to read it phonetically, everything follows the rules and there are no exceptions to how, to how words are pronounced. So like Mm -hmm. once, once you learn it, you could just kind of like phonetically read everything, even though it might not make sense to you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would say probably like half of us in the church can can do that. <laughs> half the people who, who who were growing up can read Hangul, but I have no idea what it. Yeah, says. it's both fun and really annoying because <laughs> it's it's the most useless skill in the world. I know, I know. <laughs> so, um, so at the time, um, like I said, you know, White Plains is very close to uh, Belvedere and East Garden, where yeah. uh, where the moons live. Yeah. Uh, my Korean teacher said that. Um, 
the moons had a dog that they were looking to uh, uh, go to someone, someone's family, because I think it was uh, Junjin and I'm trying yeah. not to say the, the Nims. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd really rather yeah. not. Yeah. It's, um, it's fine. Um, but who, wait, who is Junjin? So she's one, she's one of the quote unquote true children one of moon's kids uh she had a dog uh that she just couldn't take care of anymore for whatever reason okay maybe she was too young i don't i don't really know but my korean teacher was looking for someone who wanted it and i begged my parents please 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 we need to have a dog please 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 and they're like okay fine fine so we went uh we went to belvedere um or actually maybe it was East Garden. I don't, I don't remember. I was yeah. too little. Uh, and she's this big, fluffy, black chow chow hmm. um, who had the most unfortunately obnoxious name of Cha-Cha. Um, oh. Oh. Cha-Cha the Chow Chow? Yeah. yeah wow. Something my dad would never let go of. He thought it was the cutest thing. I thought it was obnoxious. But <laughs> um, but yeah, she came home with us. She came to live with us and she was just the absolute sweetest dog i think she had been a little bit abused because she was left outside a lot over there uh, and she really really hated other dogs but she loved people Mm. she she hated other animals too like she was super aggressive and protective but um she became a member of the family real quick and has had she ended up going on a lot of adventures with us over the years uh, but that was something that my dad was super proud of. It was like, she's a true dog. Oh, she was man. part of the true family. Like, <laughs> okay, sure, <laughs> sure, whatever. Um, so yeah. she came to live with us at that house and the other kids loved her and, you know, we just had a blast. Yeah. So um, that's just a, it's... It's it's about to get a little heavy, so that's why okay. I'm kind of emphasizing. Uh, so, so let's like, talk about Cha Cha first. Yeah, yeah, she's she's real sweet. She ended up kind of raising me in a way. Wow. Like, she, we were we were super super close. She was super protective of me, mm. like I was her little pup or something. Mm. Um, but I can, um, I can see that. I mean, so we never had had um, dogs, or yeah, we never had dogs growing up. We had like we had like goldfish and parakeets and stuff like that, but never a dog, but I could see kind of living, living the way that we did, just having a dog is like this source of love, unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just very different from the love that we got from our parents and the other people around us. It's like, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good thing. I like, I, I like, I could see that actually being really like valuable and, and special at that time in your life to have something that's like, you just know loves you just for who you are, basically. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. So from there, things uh, things start to get a little bit rough. Yeah. Um, so, like I mentioned before, there was a uh, there was a girl who lived in the house as well, who was part of the group of friends, um, and you know, five year old kids are rather kind of curious and uh at one point we uh basically like got naked and explored each other as five-year-olds tend to do yeah you know it's yeah it's something very very normal and at the time yeah felt really really normal and didn't feel like there was anything wrong with it 
Um, but we got caught, obviously, because mm. we're little. Yeah. And it caused this this disastrous fight between our dads. Whoa. And I have a very vivid memory of like hiding under the kitchen table while watching them like in a fist fight with each other over this situation. And I didn't really like, you know, at that age, they didn't really tell you about sex and they didn't tell you about what, what our whole purpose is and why we're supposed to be pure. Like they don't get into the purity culture stuff just yet. Like you're still too young for that. Okay. All you know is that, you know, you need to be a pure, good person. Yeah. They don't really, but I knew that I did something wrong, you know, like, um, I, I I knew that was something really, really bad. Um, and I, I don't have a very clear memory of it, but I do remember getting the feeling like, I I think I just did the worst thing that I could possibly do. Um, and then I just, I just carried so much, so much heavy shame about that yeah um and then right around that time uh my mom got breast cancer um yeah and she was getting pretty sick um and she was someone who was very much into natural healing and that kind of stuff she Mm. i think she was kind of a hippie when before she joined the church and she was very much into uh, trying to heal heal herself with um, a good friend of hers who was who claimed to be a spiritual medium. Uh, she she preferred to do like the homeopathic remedies, which mm. don't, don't really do anything. Yeah. Um, but she wanted to try the natural way as much as possible, and that just wasn't really cutting it. Yeah. Um, and uh, a, a little while after I found out that she was sick. Um, I was told that we were moving to a place called Thornwood. And I don't know if it was explained to me at the time or later, but my dad told me that we were losing the house that the, the church had. They were, they were deciding to sell it. And it was because the families couldn't unite. So I took that as I caused us to yeah. sell the house because of what I did. um (laughs) fuck man yeah jesus christ uh so like i was i didn't i couldn't quite process it until i was a little bit older but the the feelings that was having was essentially like i lost the the best place i've ever lived or like the only place that that i knew at the time like this this place was amazing yeah i'm losing this home i'm losing my friends and my mom is sick and i think it's all my fault Mm, fucking hell yeah. Jesus christ man um yeah the, yeah that's why i wanted to put the happy things first bro let's bring cha-cha back let's just yeah. go back there <laughs> she was with us she was definitely with us um so anyway so we moved Damn. to this family's house in thornwood um where was uh we were staying in their converted basement is, apartment is thornwood in that same like like new york area yeah okay. it's like it's in near mount pleasant it's it's a short drive like okay. i think it's like across the tap and bridge or something like okay. that. it's okay. it's all super close nearby suburb of new york city yeah okay um and uh by this time 
um, be, before we before we moved there, I had started doing homeschool with a church family um, that I was really really close to that were really good friends of mine. Uh, actually, two church families. Uh, we all got together and did okay. first grade together. Okay. Um, before that, I'd been to kindergarten, so I had kind of a feel for school, but um, I wasn't totally prepped and uh that family will become important in just a little bit okay but i say all that because when we moved to thornwood i start going to in uh, an elementary school for the first time second grade not okay. first but like kind of into this whole new sort of thing yeah um, and i can't really focus or do much of anything and i don't care about school mm. And I'm just in and out of counselor's offices all the time because they want to talk to me about my mom and, you know, how are you doing? Mm. How are you handling all this? And like, I, I went there cause they gave me like lollipops and yeah. snacks and things. And that's what I cared about. Like, you know, I get that they cared about me and they were trying, but I just, I kind of like, there's just this heavy funk of depression mm. that was over me that, you know, yeah. nothing could really shake that. Yeah. Um, and um, actually, at, at one point, the uh, a close uh, a close family that uh, that we were friends with that's not related to the church, they actually got together uh, and uh, held a benefit concert at my school to raise money for my mom's medical bills. Okay. Um, and um, the church didn't really do much of anything. This was like an outside family. Fucking you know? bastards. Jesus. Christ. <laughs> yeah. Fucking dicks. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure they helped a little bit, but like, you know, we were always struggling financially, but yeah. And did your parents like, what did they work for the church? Um no my so my mom i don't know what she did i know okay. that she was a secretary uh and my dad held a number of odd jobs he was okay. an artist um and he was always wanting to try and sell his paintings but never really did okay but he he worked at like just doing a number of different okay okay odd so, jobs. so not exactly like church there's no money. full-time full-time basically there, yeah. there's no okay. real money Okay. which is why we're staying at a, a member's, yeah. you know, converted yeah. basement apartment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, eventually she, she just, uh, you know, she, she passes away um, yeah. due to complications from breast cancer. It just, wow. it spread uh, okay. to her lungs and then spread to her brain. And it just, it oh, became, man. by the time that she agreed to do chemotherapy, it was way too late. Yeah. She was so well, from what I heard from my uncle, her brother, uh, is that she was so terrified of, of doctors and medicine. Um, part of that, I blame a little bit on the church because yeah. they kind of, they kind of encouraged that, yeah. that sort of woo woo stuff. I'll come back to that in a second. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, um, but yeah, she, she eventually decided to go, go to chemotherapy and got a double mastectomy, but that it was just too late yeah um so i remember she actually she died on july she she died on july 5th um and i know this because i have a very vivid memory of being at belvedere on july 4th for like the big 
July 4th celebration mm. that they would hold every year. And they had this giant lawn where they'd hold like uh, games and, and things for uh, church kids. And it was a big festival. It was a lot of fun. And I remember being there with my parents and I, I saw some friends there that I knew. And um, I, I remember asking my parents if I could go stay with them because they were inviting me to come stay the night which was rare that, you know, mm-hmm. something that ever happens. And my mom was like, okay, yeah, you can go. That's fine. So I went and stayed with them. Uh, and then the next morning, um, they told me that she had passed in the night. Whoa. And um, my dad had, <laughs> he just, he had such a way of saying things that were trying to be nice and kind but ended up hurting way more than if he had just mm-hmm. kept his mouth shut. Um, but he told me like, yeah, you know, he, he thought that she was just waiting for me to not be there so that she mm-hmm. could go. And that's a, that's a nice thing to say, but it once again, like kind of puts the blame on me feeling yeah. like if I had stayed, maybe she would have held on longer, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Just, uh, yeah so anyway so jesus christ yeah so so Damn, she passes dude. um and you were five years five years old at the time at or? this point this was 1997 so oh, i right. was uh i was eight years old eight years old okay yeah okay um Damn, and, man. jesus uh so and she is uh she's buried in sleepy hollow cemetery in new york okay there's a whole section of um uh, church members actually that are, are buried there yeah it's interesting okay. like okay. up on uh sleepy hollow is, is a very very old cemetery of new york mm-hmm. and you know it's the whole legend of the yeah. headless horseman kind yeah. of thing but yeah. uh normal people are buried there too yeah and there's a whole like little section on up on one end of it where yeah. if you go and you look hard enough you can see there's rows of unification church symbols on headstones and it's oh, kind of wow. weird Okay. Okay. They have a couple other places like that as well. I think there's, there's a place in, I am actually not far from, from Rhinebeck uh, near the UTS seminary. Uh, I don't know exactly where it is, but there's, um, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a cemetery there that has sort of like a section that's, that's, I don't know know how it works, but it's like, I don't know, pre-purchased by the the church. And then you can buy a lot from the church directly or something Mm -hmm. like that. And there's another one in the DC area too. I've actually been to that one in the DC area. Um, I think it was just a long time ago, but I think it was like one of the first people that were buried there. Um, but you could go and see like there was a they had already earmarked a bunch of a bunch of area around this one plot for f- you know future members, basically. Yeah. So um actually sorry, I just want to say one other one other thing. Sure, there. sure, sure, so absolutely. I just wanted to go back to this thing about um, you know, natural homeopathic stuff. natural medicine, yeah. homeopathy stuff. Um and I think that so my impression is that you know in some ways the the church may not necessarily be totally like 100% anti-science um like i i never heard anyone say oh like you know normal medicine doesn't work or like science is is wrong like you know it was never like that but they also had this very at least my my impression of it they also had like a super strong you know like korean shamanistic mm-hmm. view of like spirit world can 
influence what's happening in your body. And if you do these conditions, bad things can happen to your body. You need to do this to get rid of the spirits, uh, which is kind of one of the, one of the things that, that led to, to the whole, you know, so-called healthcare in Chungpyong. Uh, you know, people going there and not getting healthcare at all, just getting beaten by other people. Um, um, but what I, the, the piece I'll say that's relevant to what you mentioned is, is that I, I personally know, um, I know someone, um, a church member who is just like of, of our parents' generation, who I would say probably in the early 2000s, so not that much longer than the, not, the, not that far away time-wise from, from the time frame that you're, you're talking about. Um, they basically, um, they declined, they, they, they got cancer and they declined the traditional, they, they you know, medicine, they, they, mm. yeah, they, they, they declined to, to be cared for in a traditional, like a scientific manner, basically. And instead went for like a bunch of Korean women coming to their house and like <laughs> praying and chanting and stuff. Yeah. Um, and sadly they passed away um as a as a as a result of that um so it it definitely happens it's it's yeah it may not be explicit but i would certainly believe that that whole mentality impacted your mother's mentality at that at that time yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if there were church members who probably uh or church leaders who may have seen it as like you know she's sick because she can't unite with my dad or something mm. like that, you know? Yeah. Um, big time. They, they, they definitely would have, would have said that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, actually there's um, any, anytime I think about my, my life history and all that kind of stuff, I can't help but have certain thoughts like um, church apologetics pop into my head mm. where there's like, well, okay, you had this experience but that doesn't mean that we all had that experience and you had a particularly negative experience, but the church as a whole is a good thing. And, you know, like mm-hmm. I've just, I've heard that so many times, yeah. but, but you know, I can't help but have that in the back of my mind. Yeah. And I, I don't really have solid arguments against it. All I can do is just present the evidence yeah. that I have. And like this, that point was really the, the, the key moment of starting to pull away from mm. the church when I was mm-hmm. young, uh, okay. especially because it wasn't like, yes, losing my mom was, was very traumatic and very difficult, but um, there were, there were two things that happened in particular that kind of caused me to start to break away from the church, break away from spirituality. One was, um, after after the wake uh what we did is there's this little ceremony that you do where uh you i think you burn something i can't remember if it's like an item of clothing or something like that but you burn it and then you you walk around it and jump over it three times yeah so, i remember hearing about this i've never done it but i've heard about it and yeah, so, yeah something this is to like, like yeah. get the bad spirits off of you after you've come back from the wake like you don't want yeah. evil spirits clinging to your body or something yeah. like that and I remember going and laying down on my bed, just face down and crying. And um, there was no one else in the room. Uh, and I just felt uh, a hand stroking my back. Um, and I felt like that was, that was my mom. Um, at the time, it, that felt very, very real mm. to me. 
Um, and that was the really the last time that I felt anything intensely spiritual like that. After that, there was almost nothing. Um, and then the other thing, again, my dad just trying to mean well had mentioned that there was at like July 7th, 1997, 7797. Mm. It was a very important, that was her funeral date. Uh, that was a very important day in the church for some reason. Yeah, I, I there's always at, a new special day. This is how right. it, the cycle continues. There was some speech that Moon was giving on that day. Mm. And my dad said that her passing was uh, was being used as a good condition for the success of this, this speech or whatever it was. Awesome. Not that she died oh. because of it, but like... Yeah, but now the, she, like it, the, it can be used as a spiritual victory. Yeah, and now she's in the spirit world, and she can go and help other people. Like now that she's yeah. free of her sick body, her spirit can mobilize and go off to Chunpyong and like do all these things and help all these people. And like, cool, thanks. Um, Jesus Christ, yeah, man! I, I don't, Dang. I don't feel it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the, your dad is not alone in that the church does it all the time like co-opting someone's death uh and yeah. saying yeah they did it it happened for us so we could achieve x spiritual victory of which there is no goddamn proof at all zero yeah. evidence it's just in the minds of whoever made it up basically yeah just just like yeah. like um that that poor sister who you know what had was brutally murdered on sdf yeah so yeah yeah and then they claim yeah they claim it's for the sake of the providence fuckers yeah. fucking bastards so, yeah. anyway um <laughs> where were we um so after that happened um i went to go live with that family that i mentioned that i did homeschooling with okay um and uh they they lived in new jersey so a little bit further away um, and I spent a good chunk of time with them, maybe a couple months, something like that. And it was actually pretty good. Like I was starting to feel a little better. I was, I was, I was having nightmares, but I was also having some good dreams. Like I had a dream of my mom coming to visit me. Um, I was like doing karate with the the family. Like we would go to karate lessons. So like I had a dream of like showing my mom, my karate moves oh, and, yeah. you know, like it was really cute. Um, but it was, it was just it was a sense of normalcy. It was a sense of family of acceptance and getting some stability in my life. Um, and I didn't know it until later on, uh, like a few years later when I was older, but our moms had made an agreement that if my mom were to die, that their mom would adopt me. Whoa. And uh what happened is my dad actually came and took me back and there was once again a, a huge fight uh, between our oh. parents uh between their mom and my dad um ended up uh you know just having a soured connection between the families mm. and i didn't really see much of them after that like uh, we kind of lost touch yeah um and uh, that really broke my heart because i i really wanted to live with them i didn't want to go with my dad mm -hmm. um and i you know as an adult i can understand why i have a lot of empathy for my dad now after you know 
like now I'm 32 and I've, mm. I've had a, a decent chunk of experience and I, I can understand more why someone would join a cult, why life can be really, really difficult and you want to escape to something like this or, you know, how hard it can be to raise a single child on your own. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the time I was just, I was devastated that mm. I was taken away from this family. So we went to go live in um, another church member's house in New Jersey. Okay. Um, and we lived in their converted basement apart- apartment once again. Okay. Um, and at this time, my dad was trying to figure out what to do with me. Um, and he decided that he was going to move back to England. I think he was just wow. kind of like lost for what to do. Wasn't yeah. sure what was going to happen. And I think maybe he still had some family in England and just like, okay. oh, I'm going to go there. So got me a British passport, uh, which okay. I still have. Okay. Um, and that was hold, the plan. Hold on to it. I think, sure. I think it's worth more than the U S one. Just, just my two cents. <laughs> I, yeah. There's uh, something about me having dual citizenship. I haven't quite looked into it yet, but you can do it between the U S and I, 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 yeah, you can do it between the U S and the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's worth, anyway, it's worth keeping. Yeah. So, so we did that. Uh, and he was like, we can go anywhere you want to go. And it's like, I was in the time I was, I was really into like, you know, dinosaurs and precious stones stuff. Cause you're a little kid. That's, yeah. that's what little yeah, kids are into. Exactly. And it's like, I want to go see the Smithsonian. It's like, all right, let's go to DC and we'll go see the Smithsonian. Mm. We made a big trip out of it uh, and got the passport at the British embassy and all that. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of preparing myself to do that. Um, and then he changed his mind. Okay. Uh, and decided uh, to get married again instead. Mm. Uh, and this is something that apparently not too many people have heard about, which surprised me because it seemed like a, a normal thing, but apparently it's kind of rare. Um, he had what's called a comfort blessing. Oh yeah. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's, let's talk about that. But let me just, let me, I just want to make sure I understand the the timing. So how soon, how soon after your, your mother passed away? So this is 1998. So it's about a year, maybe a little bit less than a year. Okay. All right. Um, um, okay. It's, it's pretty pretty soon. soon. It's pretty soon. Yeah. It's uncomfortably soon. Yeah. I don't want a new mom. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm still processing things, you know, yeah, um, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, and actually, before we get into that, uh, during this time with my dad, it was just me and him. It was, uh, it didn't seem that rough, but looking back, it was, it was very, very, very uncomfortable. Um, he, he is someone who I think he joined the church because he doesn't know how to take care of himself. Okay. And needed someone to take care of him. Okay. And that's how he treated the women in his life. Yeah. And that's how he treated me. Okay. Uh, so he was always sick with something. He was diabetic. He had uh, aches and pains. And he had ulcers on his feet. And um, at that time, it was since it was just me and him, um, and I'm a little kid, so I, mm. you know, you can't really fight back or say no. Yeah. Uh, 
so I would just help him with whatever he asked. And mm. so he had these bleeding ulcers on his feet mm. from standing at work and from, from diabetes. And so I would soak them in Epsom salts and treat oh. them with hydrogen peroxide and rebandage his feet and clean oh. his feet. Um, I would give him massages by walking on his back. Oh. Um, and you know, just, just in a lot of ways, I would be taking care of him at like eight, nine years old. Yeah. Um, and that was, this was the time when he was telling me like, uh, that I needed to be a humble servant and where I learned the meaning of my name, the servant of Christ. And, and he was kind of saying like, you need to be, to learn to be a humble servant, you need to be like a humble servant to me as your father. Is essentially, that, is that kind of yeah, what he was yeah, saying? absolutely. Wow. Well, like um, wow. you, you're, you're probably familiar with this term. I don't know if it's been explained on the podcast, but uh, there's the tradition of bowing. They call the Kyungbae, yeah. um, where, uh, you know, you, you bow to true parents picture or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, anytime I would get in trouble, uh, I'd have to bow to him the full kyungbae like head on the hands down to the floor yeah um you know the 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 whole thing yeah and you have to go down on your right leg not your left oh yeah you go down on your left that's satan's side yeah 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 yeah. i remember being reprimanded like you don't put your left shoe on you put your right shoe on. oh shit i never heard that one yeah did they ever give you shit about the side the side of your hair that you parted on Yes, absolutely. It had to, no, it had my to dad be on parted, the left. Yes, my dad right. parted yeah. my hair on the uh, left. So there yeah, we go. I yeah. still have the part. Dude, I had it for a long time, but then when I started growing my hair, I was like, fuck you, motherfuckers. I'm going oh straight down God. the center. Um. Yes, yes. No, when I was, a t- oh my God, when I was a teenager, like I remember like there were a couple kids who had their hair parted in the middle. Yeah. Um, and... I wanted to do the same thing. And my dad yeah. got mad at me because he said it was satanic to part your hair in the middle. Yeah. You need to part your hair. In the, yeah. Yeah. All it's this just, just so much stupid shit. It just <laughs> reminded me, I'd, I'd forgotten about like bowing oh, to my parents. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think I necessarily did it when I got in trouble, but I just, I remember doing it a lot, but I, I think it was just kind of like a, I don't know at pledge or like I don't mm-hmm. know, once a month or at your birthdays or something like that, you would just have to bow to your parents. That's Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, you, I mean, you do that during like a, a, a ceremony or something like that, but yeah. this was like, you're in trouble and you need to repent, Wow. you know? Um, so that that's, you know, so at, at, that was the, uh, a, a point of very low self-esteem. Yeah. Um, and also at the same time, um, my dad put me in Catholic school. Uh, this was, this is third grade now. Um, and I didn't know anything about Catholicism, Mm. but I think my dad put me there because he wanted me to have some kind of religious influence. And with him being British, I think Catholic school seemed to make the most sense. It was an Irish Catholic school. We were in New Jersey. Okay. It, it kind of fit you know yeah. um and it wasn't that unusual it was an interesting experience mm. but i definitely you know i was the weird jewish kid that came in like i have jewish of ancestry not of practice okay my last <laughs> my last name is a jewish last name so okay it's sort of like who's this weird little kid coming in 
who doesn't know who's got a Jewish last name who doesn't know any of the like any, anything about Catholicism <laughs> like someone like asked me did you have you done your first communion I was like I don't know what that is yeah you know that's where I learned about like the communion the you know the wine and the wafers the yeah. the the mass which yeah. the mass was I was like oh this is kind of like our church a little bit mm-hmm. you know you, you say the say the things over and over again and yeah, it's, it's not know. that it's not that dissimilar yeah but what they did have which freaked me out was confession oh yeah and uh i didn't want to go to confession i i never ended up going to confession i was terrified of it because i knew that if i went to confession i'd have to confess to the thing that i did uh with, with uh the girl that was my oh, age wow. um that destroyed everything yeah. you know and i was like because oh, at that point it was solidified in my mind like yeah. i've done the worst thing in the world i need to be the humble servant yeah. i need to be repentant i am i don't know if i'm fallen but i kind of feel like i am mm. so i just need to serve everyone around me and just be super super humble and yeah. you know not want anything for myself because i'm a horrible horrible person and i've caused all these bad things to happen so i better fucking watch it you know um so plus i was also the weird depressed kid at at school that mm-hmm. nobody could understand why i was uh and some people knew that my mom had 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 passed but still it was like i was very I isolated and had a really hard time making friends. Um, It was just a very weird experience overall. And uh, I remember actually at one point I embarrassed the hell out of myself uh, because there was, there was a display of coins from around the world or something like that. It was this whole display of a number of different things. And one of them was like, you know, international coins. And there was a Korean coin. Hmm. And I was like, oh, Korean. I know Korean. Hmm. And the kids were like, why do, why do you know <laughs> Korean? What? And I was like, okay, sure. Sure, you know Korean. Well, then prove it. So I launched into the very beginning of the pledge. Like, oh. um, and, and then just like, just, just wide-eyed faces. Like, oh. what the fuck? <laughs> And it's like, well, what does that mean? And all I could think of was like, um, it's like a pledge. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Moving on. So, yeah, I was was the exceptionally weird kid. Um, So I kept to myself, kept very quiet. Jesus. yeah that, that was I, I learned like try to keep your mouth shut about church stuff at that yeah. point yeah um so after that um or, or I, I guess during all of that that's when my dad uh decided to get remarried coming back yeah. to that point okay. yeah uh so there was a um picture matching that was going to happen this was yeah. i think blessing 98 something like that okay yeah um and I don't think my dad told me that what, that's what was happening. Wow. Um, or maybe he did. It wasn't very clear. We actually went to the blessing. I remember. In Korea? No, it was in. It might, no, it was in Madison Square Garden, actually. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. 
Um, okay. Yeah, that's actually, oddly enough, that's the one where uh, the Reverend L. Sharpton got married. Did he? I knew Sharpton yes, he, had, I knew he had some connections to the Moody's mm, around about that time. He I didn't know he got the blessing. Blessed. He went to the blessing. Whoa, I didn't know yep. that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong about the year, but he definitely did. There are photos okay. of him online putting the, the Unification Church ring. Uh, yeah, he, he did Whoa. the whole thing. Yeah, oh, interesting. Um, wow. okay. Yeah, there's a whole pattern of, of uh, like people in high positions um, either being paid to endorse the church or endorsing the church because they think they're going to get something out of it, some kind of political clout and then backing off once they're called on it. Yeah. Like they know full well what they're doing. I'm pretty confident. There might be one or two. They're like, I don't know what this thing is. They tricked me. Um, Cause you know, that's what the church does. They like to trick people. Yeah. But yeah, that's anyway, side point. I think there was a thing in, in, I think it was in the nineties where, they like they paid like Bill Cosby to to go to do a speech <laughs> in DC, um, yeah. And a, yeah. I th- I think afterwards he was like, I had no idea what the fuck what the fuck that was. I was just in it for the money. Um, I'm, but that's I mean, choosing Bill Cosby is not is not a decision that has aged well. Although they yeah. probably couldn't have known about that whole thing at the time. But I just I do feel like that that was a pattern of either they yeah maybe Bill Cosby knew about it. And then, and then he just pretended he didn't, but I definitely remember afterwards. He was like, Oh, I had no idea what that shit was. You know, they, yeah. they tricked me. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's actually a photo of uh, Barack Obama giving a speech at uh, some church event in Chicago wow. in the late nineties, yeah. early two thousands yeah. when he was, I think before he was super deep into politics, but yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I, th- I think I kind of vaguely knew what was happening. Cause we went, like we got our photos taken. We went to the blessing, but I still, I didn't think that it was happening, but my dad eventually was like, yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm, I got, you know, uh, re-blessed, remarried to, um, to this, to this woman who is my comfort blessing. She's going to be your stepmother. I was very upset. (laughs) That term, I mean, just the idea comfort blessing. I mean, what the fuck does that, I mean, so I just want, I guess I feel like we need to explain it to the audience. So I guess the church has this concept that if you get blessed as married and blessed to someone, you're like married to them forever for all eternity after you die. And therefore, like if one, one spouse dies and you get remarried, you're like, you're having the marriage, like for the purposes of like the the comfort of your physical body, but it's almost like not, not a real marriage in the, in the eyes of the church, because the real marriage is the one that already happened. Um, Yeah. It's, It's, I, I didn't think about it till I was older, but um, yeah, comfort blessing is, is uh, no pun intended, a uncomfortable sort of term, especially considering that the whole history of Japan and, and Korea's comfort women, yeah. you know, that's. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, I, I, I've, in, in a way, I feel like, cause wasn't it, it was like, yeah. So the, like the Japanese, when they invaded, north korea they would take korean women as so-called comfort like comfort women basically sex and slaves then, essentially yeah, that's yeah, what they but, were yeah, they called they them were, comfort women but they yeah, were sex they slaves. were sex yeah. slaves yeah and they called them comfort women and now once moon is in this prior this like position of power uh he's almost like co-opting the term for his own mm-hmm. like 
yeah, for his own purposes, basically. Calling, I'm sure there's some him. restorative purpose, some providential Yeah, he's reason. probably saying, yeah, yeah, oh, this is because of the horrible shit that the Japanese did to my people. Like, then we need this to happen, basically. Yeah. But anyway, so, yeah. Um, my, yeah, my, my stepmother definitely was not a, <laughs> by any means a sex slave, for sure. But she was my dad definitely treated her uh like a servant like a subservient woman okay um so my my stepmother uh when i met her uh she came to to meet us she was living in uh honduras in central america at the time because uh she was chosen as the uh national messiah Mm. to honduras and i think uh i think jen Kiaba might have talked about this a little bit. Um, I mean, about... it's, it's come up a few times, like the, the idea of national messiahs and like people just kind of being assigned a country and say, you, you need to go here and right. like, start the <clears throat> church there, basically. It's, it's glorified missionary work. Effectively, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go, go here and work with uh, like Japanese and Korean leaders to set up the church here and yeah. try to recruit members and yeah. expand the church's empire. Yeah, so. that's what it is. Um, yeah. <clears throat> uh yeah so she came to visit us and i met her and it was a little weird and um but i was like okay i guess i can i can try to get used to this she seems nice enough um but then suddenly it was announced that we were moving to honduras holy shit yeah uh so yet again another move uh i was so like i said i was in catholic school and i was just wrapping up fourth grade so this was the first time i had spent a second year at the same school at this point okay wow so the first time in your life you spent more than a year in a single single right wow and i remember begging my parents to let me finish out the year and for some reason they couldn't of course not we had providence comes first right we had we had to leave early for whatever reason yeah you know um and I didn't get to finish fourth grade and I was really upset about it. Uh, so me, my dad, my stepmom and Chacha, we all moved mm. down to, uh, to Honduras and wow. I didn't know any Spanish. It was a very new experience. Yeah. It wasn't super foreign, but it was, de- it was very different, yeah. you know? And at this point I was kind of used to moving. So I was like, all right, another place that's, just hotter and i just don't understand the language but essentially what else is new yeah i'm I'm, I'm in a new place sure Mm. um so over there they put me in catholic school again because most of the schools there are catholic they didn't want me in a secular school um because they didn't want me to be influenced you know um and the catholic schools were a little bit nicer so I repeated fourth grade there two more times. You repeated fourth grade two times. Yeah, because the first year I didn't know Spanish and the second year I didn't know Spanish. Jesus. So because, yeah, because in, in the States, I didn't finish fourth grade. So yeah. when I went there, they, they put me in fourth grade. Yeah. And then I repeated it again because like I, I literally spent my time drawing. Mm. Like I would draw like 
the Honduran Honduran flag or the 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 map of the country or just doodle anything in my book. And I was trying to learn, but at this point I was constantly just zoned out. Yeah. Cause I was so used to things just shifting all the time. Yeah. It's just funny thinking about this, like the this is a recurring theme, is this um just the neglect of the of the of the education of us kids who grew up in this thing it's like it's like our our education was just like a a nuisance for our for our parents to have to think about that's yeah it just keeps coming up yeah actually that's something i realized in my adulthood looking back was that they really they really didn't prepare us for the real world on purpose Mm. not only did they not want us having you know outsider influence um but they they i don't think i don't think it was on a conscious level i think it was more subconscious that they just didn't want us to succeed in the real world they expected us to live our entire lives within what the church wanted us to do yeah. so church schools church owned businesses uh you know church families and just yeah. live in our own little isolated communes yeah and um we were never expected to leave. Yeah. So that at definitely not like it, it. It's it's interesting because you know my my especially getting into like preteen and teen years, my dad would be furious at me for having bad grades, mm. but would never really do anything to help me with it would just he would just be yeah. mad that i was failing yeah and at the time i just felt like an just absolute piece of shit you know like i mm. must be worthless yeah uh, i must not be smart i must not you know be good at anything um i i must i must be really really dumb mm. um but it's really just that there's there's no help and especially if it's secular education they don't want to help you yeah you know there's no need to encourage that kind of education yeah yeah it's just viewed yes it's not there's it's not valued um at all and yeah like you said in the ideal world we all we all would have stuck around and had church families and lived in church houses and hadn't worked in church businesses and that would have been would have been a closed loop um yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of weird too because my dad, you know, I, I always felt like he was a bit two ways about things. I think, especially in his later years, um, there was a point where he started refusing to go to church, um, and he he had the excuse that he was too tired or too sick or whatever it was. He always had an excuse for something, but part of me feels like maybe he saw through the bullshit a little bit, but he was also still very, very attached to the church and to the concept of true parents and that sort of thing. And I don't think he knew how to leave or could leave. I think it was his salvation, but I think he had big problems with it. And there's a number of times in my life where he both encouraged and discouraged secular things Mm. you know like he he was an artist and was very much into arts and culture and music um 
And a lot of my musical influence comes from him, hmm. both my parents really. But since he was the one that was around for longer, yeah. I got yeah. more of the influence from him. Yeah. But, you know, I have, I have lots of examples of secular music that he shared with me that was wonderful. Yeah. But then there's also a time when I was, I was little and I remember watching uh, Yellow Submarine, the Beatles movie. Yeah. And he threw the tape away because he was, he told me that God was angry with the Beatles um, because they, they encouraged the wrong kind of love, you know, they didn't encourage true love. They encouraged like free sex and that sort of thing. Uh, Yeah. Um, or, you know, a song would come on the radio that I liked. Oh, Oh, I remember, uh, this is jumping ahead quite a bit Mm, and I have a tendency to do that. I apologize. It's fine. It's fine. Um, there was a, a workshop that happened um when i was a teenager and one of the one of the older kids there made a whole video about it mm. um and one of the one of the songs that put on in the background was uh, closer to fine by the indigo girls okay. and while we were watching uh while we were watching the video my dad got upset that it was the indigo girls because they're lesbians <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's not a song that should be associated with anything church related, you know, like yeah. Jesus Christ. I have so many examples of that now. Yeah. I could go on forever, so I won't, but yeah, you know, but it doesn't weird. surprise me at all. That doesn't surprise me at all. He's yeah. just like this constant pull, push yeah. and pull, like of of like being in and being out and yeah. it very much describes my relationship with the church too. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um all right, so let's go back to sort of yeah where we were in the, in the timeline. So uh, sure. yeah, Honduras, like yeah, double double repeat of fourth grade. That's that's about about where we were. Yeah. So uh, so my dad gets uh, married to my stepmom yeah. through through the comfort blessing. I meet her. We moved to Honduras. Yeah. Because um, she's the national messiah. And did she have any kids um, that she that she brought into the marriage? So she has one son. Okay. Um, who's my stepbrother? He's four okay. years older than me. Okay. Um. And at the time he was in Korea. In the GOP program? Exactly. Okay. Yep. Okay. He was going to school there and he was there for about a year. Okay. Um, and uh, he does not want to be, to be named. Okay. So that's I'm fine. not going to, well, I'm not going to say then, his name. Then, I'm not going to say my stepmom's yeah. name. That's fine. Um, yeah. 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 But I just yeah. wanted to make that known. Yeah. That yeah. I've already talked to him about, about yeah. this whole thing and he's yeah. totally fine with it. He just doesn't really want to be yeah. involved. Fine. fine. I don't, yeah, I respect that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it just like for anyone who's listening, if you know him, cool. Just don't out him, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, so the first year in Honduras, we stayed at my stepmom's place uh, where she was living. And I stayed in my stepbrother's room uh, okay. before I met him. So okay. I got to know his stuff before yeah. I knew him. <laughs> it was a little bit weird. That is strange. Like I was playing yeah. with his N64 and you yeah. know, I had his bed and his desk and it was yeah. just, yeah, a little yeah. bit odd. <laughs> um, and then uh, we went to pick him up in san francisco we flew out there uh since he he flew in from korea to san francisco we flew okay. him from honduras to san francisco to pick him up okay. because my stepmother's family is in is in san francisco okay so i met my stepbrother there and i met my step family 
there. Okay. All my stepmothers. And were they, were they in the church? The, 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 all no. the step families? Okay. No, they're, okay. they're very much against the church. Okay. Uh, okay. They are, they are Catholic. All right. um, um, some of them are not religious, but yeah. So right. that, that would become kind of a, a little bit of a hub that, that house in San Francisco. Okay. Um, and so we met him there. He was not a big fan of me cause I was a little annoying brat. <laughs> uh, I was kind of excited to have an older brother, but it was also a bit weird at, at the same time. And, you know, I think I'm it's also kid. weird. I'm thinking from his perspective, it is kind of weird to like have another kid that you've never met just like living in your room and like playing mm-hmm. with your stuff. And mm-hmm. like, like, you know, that's oh. like, yeah, that's, I can see that just being kind of strange for him. Um, so she didn't tell him until later. Holy shit. Okay. That's he's fucked in Korea. Up. That there's is no fucked cell phones. Up. There's, there's no cell phones. Yeah. And there's like, you can write letters, but you can't call Korea. Yeah. Uh, Holy so shit. yeah, Jeez. I think he found out when he was maybe on his way back or something like that oh i can't remember God. just like oh hey by the way Surprise! i got married and you have a brother and oh, holy shit yeah he was real bitter jesus christ <laughs> yeah uh, she yeah she's very much that kind of type of like uh don't ask for permission ask for forgiveness yeah you okay. know there are some benefits to that approach in certain situations but I don't know if this no, is she takes line. it too far. Yeah. <laughs> she yeah. definitely takes it too far. <laughs> Oof. Um, so anyway, so then we move again to another house in Honduras, same city, wow. okay. Tegucigalpa, the, the capital city. Okay. Uh, so it's not far, but it's just an, another move. We move mm-hmm. to a little bit of a larger house okay. um, where it's now the four of us and our dog, Cha Cha. Okay. Um, and for the first time in my life, I have my own room. Wow. Okay. And how old um, were you? The, I was, this was somewhere between 1999 and 2000. So I was okay, so about, 10, about 10, 10, 11. 10, 11. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you were at the second house in Honduras. I, am keeping track. I got one, two, three, yes. four, five, six, seven, eight, so, nine. Right. Two. I had my I own got, room. I got 10 I houses my own for, room you, for the very first time up until this point, up until like 10, 11 years old, I shared a room with my parents, which yeah. is Wow. Not super unusual, but I was really excited to have my own room. I my brother imagine. had a room yeah. across the hall. My parents yeah. had another room yeah. down there. Yeah. So there was that. Uh, and it went okay for a little while. You know, um, they had a, uh, they, they got a tutor for me to help me learn Spanish. Okay. Um, and uh, it was, it was going pretty well, but to them, it was still pretty clear, like, our education is not going well. Mm. You know, it's like, I know we talked about how they don't really care that much about education, but they also do kind of. Um, And I think they were just realizing that there are just certain logistical problems with us being there. And so they decided, okay, let's move back to the States and they can go to school there. And then maybe at some point we can all come back you know, and live yeah. in Honduras and like, yeah, continue the, the mission. Okay. That's what we were supposed to do. Yeah. I think a lot of families experience that like some people, maybe like 
one sometimes there's a whole family sometimes it's like one parent would go for like a limited amount of time mm-hmm. and they'd be like uh this shit's pretty hard uh so <laughs> yeah. let's go <laughs> let's go back and tell them we're like gonna do something there in the future uh and then i think oh. many times it never materialized in the future so you're saying it's 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 not easy to save and convert an entire country <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's it's kind of it's yeah it's not exactly easy i would say yeah <laughs> yeah um so yeah so they what they do is they put out a mass email uh throughout uh church centers yeah and um ask like hey we this is where we live this is who we are we want to come live in the united states does anyone have a place where we can stay and one of the families that replied lived in northern california in a town called wheatland um so that was where we were gonna go okay uh they had a little house in their backyard like a little like converted shed kind of thing okay um they made it into like this like tiny one room apartment with a loft and they're like well we got a place for you to stay in the Mm -hmm. meantime it's like okay cool so we packed up all our stuff the you know the stuff that we could um into a jeep cherokee it was the four of us plus our dog and all our stuff in the back and piled on top. Uh, and one other church member who was driving with us to the Mexico U S border. And you drove so, from Honduras. We drove for almost a month up <laughs> the Eastern coast of uh, Central America and Mexico. And then the Southern United States up into California with uh, up and up until the u.s mexico border it was five of us then when we got to texas it was four of us we stopped and uh did some fundraising to help uh you know help have enough money for the trip uh my stepmom got uh some laser prints from someone and my stepmom and stepbrother sold laser prints on the side of the road or at gas stations or whatever. Jesus, wow. Try and supplement the trip. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't, uh, that wasn't fun. My brother still holds a grudge to this day about uh, the whole experience. It was pretty rough. Wow. Who's yeah. the, who does he hold the grudge against? Against you or? or... Uh, our parents. Okay. Yeah. No, me and my brother are fine. Okay. No, he, 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 he hates my dad, um, which understandably so, um, as will become apparent. Um, and really doesn't want to have much to do with his mom. Um, we're, we're all, we all still talk now, but it's, okay. It's a very strained relationship. All right. So, yeah. So we drive up, this was the end of 2000, like leading into 2001, Mm -hmm. December. Okay. Uh, so we get all the way up to Northern California. We get like near Sacramento area, very, very close to where we're getting to. And then the Jeep breaks down. Hmm. Uh, and the family who lived in Wheatland came to get us and got us the rest of the way there. And as soon as we get there, my dad has a heart attack. Holy shit. Uh, what the fuck? Yeah, so he goes into the hospital and he has open heart surgery. Um, Jesus. Yeah, and uh, at this is the point where 
I start to feel like, okay, well, I guess my dad's going to die now. So yeah. I, I should oh, probably prepare man. for that. Um, all right. I guess this is what's happening. Like this is, this is the sort of attitude that I developed over time is yeah. just like, I guess this is happening. We're going here now. Okay. Probably the only cool. way you can deal with it is like, yeah. after all, all of that chaos and upheaval, just, yeah. Okay. Just associating happen. my way through just, life. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. But no, he, he, he pulls through, but, um, he, he's, he's always had anger issues throughout his whole life, but they start to get worse from that point. Okay. Um, and this is also the time when me and my brother are both hitting puberty. I think my brother's already hit puberty, but we're starting yeah. to get into our teenage years, starting to become brats a little bit, understandably so. Yeah. You know, um, everyone does it. It's yeah, as teenagers but, tend to do. Uh, um, so we eventually move out of that that little that little tiny hut, <laughs> essentially, um, and find an apartment uh, on the next street. It's a tiny Wheatland is a tiny little town of like two thousand people. Okay. The only reason it exists is because it's along a highway between uh, Sacramento and the nearest major city, and there is an air force base nearby. Okay. So right. that's the only reason why it hasn't uh, been wiped off the map yet. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so we find a place. Uh, I start going to school in, I think maybe February or March. Sometime I think it was sometime in the in the spring of two thousand one. Mm. And they say, well, I've repeated fourth grade three times, so maybe maybe let's put him in sixth grade because that's where he's supposed to be. Um, So they put me in sixth grade Mm -hmm. at this time in a secular school. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm in a tiny little town of people who know each other. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows me. Mm -hmm. I don't know them. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about sixth grade. Uh, Up until this point, we were all speaking Spanish. (laughs) So now I'm shifting back to speaking English and needless to say, I fail sixth grade. And oh, have to man. repeat it again. Oh, Jesus. Because <laughs> I don't know anything and I don't have yeah. any motivation to try and do anything. Yeah. And you know, something I've heard my entire life is like, you're so smart. If you you do great, if you just applied yourself. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Yeah. No one ever gave you a platform to apply yourself to. Like you're always moving around. There's no, no place to apply anything to because the ground just kept getting taken out from underneath you like every year pretty much literally so okay i okay this is these are the ones that i've counted uh one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven and that brings us up to 2001 Mm -hmm. when you were 12 years old so Mm -hmm. that's every year almost every year basically yeah 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 I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed that you're keeping count because I have not. a list. I have a list. I have a list. I think that I think I've gotten everything, but I counted yeah, at one point. I, I can't remember anymore. Yeah. And I don't yeah. really care. So, yeah. but uh, anyway, so, so we end up staying there for a pretty decent chunk of time. It's one of the longest places I've ever stayed somewhere, okay. but uh, things started to get pretty rough. Um, my, my dad is having serious anger issues and uh, is starting to be very abusive to my stepmom. Um, not starting, 
has been, but it's getting worse. Um, He is very verbally abusive. Uh, He was never really physically abusive with some exceptions. Uh, I don't think he really hit her. He might have maybe slapped her once or twice, but regardless, it doesn't matter. Like he, he is a great manipulator. You know, he's someone who can beat you down with his words. He can make you feel like utter shit. Yeah. Um, And he uses the divine principle to back him up. You know, the the whole idea of man is subject and woman is object. You walk in the left. I walk in the right. You walk behind me. I walk ahead of you. What I say goes because I am male and because you're female. What you say is only important if I say it's important, Mm. you know? Yeah. Um, And uh, neither me or my stepbrother appreciate this. Mm. Uh, He berates her a lot. You know, he uh calls her all kinds of horrible names uh and just belittles her belittles her and her intelligence um makes her feel like she's dumb um and it causes a lot of fights you know I uh my, i was always the the kind who would either try to break up a fight or stay out of it because yeah. like i i just can't I either can't defend myself or defend other people. Or like I'm, I'm too scared. I'm too small, too young. Um, my stepbrother, on the other hand, was older and would get in the middle of it and mm-hmm. like get mad at my dad. And they would break yeah. out into fist fights. Um, and once I got old enough, it would be fist fights between my, me and my dad wow. because of the way that he treated her. Jesus. Um, I even got uh, arrested and uh taken away to to juvie for like a couple hours this is nothing significant but like you know the whole thing put in handcuffs put in the car taken away uh because i beat the shit out of my dad for what he was doing to my stepmom and i was like 13 you Mm -hmm. know they were trying to scare me into into behaving yeah um but really it was his fault Mm. you know like it's yeah so a giant wedge was driven in the family yeah and then around that time uh my brother got uh, a girlfriend mm-hmm. and um actually before we get into the point i should probably um mention uh down the street from us there's a christian church uh we're pretty far away from the uh church in the bay area of california yeah as in, in the in unification o- church yeah, yeah. In, yeah in oakland um yeah i say the church as if it's like putting the the in for the mm-hmm. definite article mm-hmm. um you know because there's only one of course yeah exactly um, <laughs> only one that matters yeah. <laughs> um but no the 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 unification church in oakland is pretty far away and there's no yeah. church in sacramento at this point so our parents have encouraged us to go to this other place it's down the street. Local one, of, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's as it's just kind of like a standard, like American kind of evangelical mm-hmm. type of place. It was, yeah, it was an Assemblies of God church. Okay. Not that it's really really matters. Okay, but I did see people speak in tongues there for the first time. That's oh, kind of cool. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, but they had a youth group there, which yeah. we fit into pretty well yeah. and we were accepted into the group and they kind of knew who our parents were and they yeah. tried to love us and, you know, yeah. 
bring us into the fold. Uh, and that's where my brother met uh, his girlfriend at the time. Yeah. Um, and they started dating. And I was at first shocked because at that point I knew about purity culture and knew the reason why we weren't supposed to have sex before yeah. marriage, why we're not supposed to date and the, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also kind of in awe. I was like, mm. all right, you know, like I'm proud of you for yeah. kind of doing what you want to do. Yeah. And at this point I'm very torn of like, fuck the system, fuck the church. And uh, sort of like, Oh, well, no, I also want to be a good boy, you know? Yeah. Um, but also really desperate for love and connection and some, something substantial, like, yeah. cause I definitely didn't feel any love from home, you yeah. know? Doesn't sound like it. Yeah. So um i started going to this church quite a bit um and yeah our parents find out about his girlfriend i can't remember if he introduced her or if like they just found out somehow Mm. and ended up being a huge fight um and uh there there's there's a lot of stuff that happened around this time it's too much to get into Mm. just needless to say this was the time when I started to listen to harder music, more secular music. Uh, I started to like my, I started to expand my mind on cultural things and start to actually learn what American culture is. Cause up until yeah. that point, I didn't really know. Yeah. You're just exposed um, to a little bubble, a little sliver of that's mm-hmm. like a little, tiny bit of American culture, a bit of Korean and all this weird church shit, like exactly blended together basically. Um. Yeah, and uh, Mexican and Central American culture. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, you had that too. Yeah, <laughs> but um, uh, within within this time frame, things get so bad in our family. At some point, my brother turns eighteen, and I will say, brother, stepbrother, interchangeably. Mm. He's the same person. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, and he eventually leaves home. And he goes to stay with some friends and eventually goes off to the military. Just like, got to get the fuck out. You know? yeah. um, and uh, my stepmother decides to separate from my dad, oh, encourages wow. me to get away from my dad too, if I can. She Whoa. was telling me there's an option called a meth, uh, you know, emancipation of a minor or something like that, yeah. where I can legally... become an adult and be separated from him and would she have like then would she like offering for you to live with her basically i think i think so it was kind of clear i think she was just encouraging me to get away from him yeah however okay however you could that was her advice yeah yeah okay and she went to go live in in berkeley california so in the bay area okay uh and there's a church center uh in berkeley where she went to go live yeah uh, so once again, it was just me and my dad for a little while. Oh, wow. It, and it's um, still in, in Wheatland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and at this point, like I've, I've started smoking cigarettes cause you know, I want to be rebellious. Mm. Uh, I'm like 13, 14, um, okay. had my first taste of alcohol, had my first, uh, hit of weed. It was mm-hmm. very unsubstantial, but it was, <laughs> you know, just kind of. <laughs> laying the foundation for you know just the fact that you said that i'm like i know exactly i remember that i I, i've been there i know exactly that point in 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 my life like yes Mm -hmm. yep yep 
very evocative that last statement of yours yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, it was yeah. it was like barely yeah. a hit but it was still uh, like whoa yeah yeah <laughs> um but yeah i'm starting to kind of break away a little bit um but still like every time we'd go to a church event i feel like okay no i need to be better mm. i need to yeah. i need to you know straighten out and and all this um and um interestingly enough during this time because we even though we live far away we'd still go to major events at the bay area church so i started i got to know that group a little bit and got to participate in some things um and got to go to the camps Mm -hmm. the uh the summer camps yep which were a lot of fun and I looked forward to them. Yeah. You know, they were like the best thing would get away from my parents and like be around other kids. And it's yeah. just like, you know, some people hated it and dreaded it, but I was like, this is my escape. Yeah. I <laughs> can, know? I mean, based on everything you've seen, you said so far, like I can imagine this being like, my God, I cannot wait till I go to this place. Like, yeah. Just to absolutely. get out of everything that's happening at home. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we couldn't afford it, I would beg my parents, please, please yeah. can we go, can we find a way somehow? <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, the, at this, uh, at the time, uh, purity culture was becoming more of a, of a thing in the U S yeah. um, and, uh, the Christians were doing things called purity balls where I know what you're talking um, about, but can you explain? <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds a little, a little odd, but basically they'd have like, uh, instead of a prom, they'd have like a purity ceremony where, uh, dads would dance with their daughters and they would get a purity ring, uh, that says true love waits on it. Mm. And they basically, um, they put the ring on their daughter's finger and their daughter would promise to stay pure until their dad said it was okay or marriage or whatever they, yeah. they decided. So the church latched onto that in a big way because that's mm. that was basically our bread and butter, you know. Yeah. Uh, so they started putting together this uh, ceremony called Ilshim. Oh, okay. This is interesting. I haven't heard of this before. I've heard yeah. I, I've heard the name, but I don't know what it is. So I'm fascinated. To- yeah. So Ilshim yeah. is basically is the the purity ceremony, um, and okay. it was happening around this time. So like when I was about 13 or so. Okay. Um. And uh, it's basically uh, like maybe a week or two of going to lectures, learning about uh, what it means to be pure and like some real rudimentary, like church-based sex ed, not actually <laughs> learning sex ed, but like, you know, like generally what sex is and yeah. why it's important to, you know, keep your love organs intact. And yeah. you know, that, that, all, yeah. that whole talk, uh, uh, we learned about the fall of man and okay. why like Adam and Eve fell away from God yeah. because it was, they had sex as teenagers at 16 before they were allowed to. Yeah. Um, and that's oh. why like, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. No, I just wanted to ask, so this is coming back to something that you mentioned earlier. Is it, is this, is this the first time that you, you had like really had all this, like this detail, like, like presented to you? Kind of. Yeah. I I kind of vaguely, you know, you piece it together. Like you learn, like when I was a kid, I had like a a divine principle for kids book that had the diagrams and things. And you kind of understood like, like no dating. Yeah. You just, you were told like no dating 
um no hand holding no kissing anything yeah. like that if anybody tries to do that with you like you run away you know? yeah um but we weren't really told why so much like okay. once you get into your uh preteen years then they start to tell you or at least they told us yeah then like this okay. is the reason why like this is why you shouldn't masturbate this is why yeah. you shouldn't like look at porn this is why you need to be like 100 pure this is why brothers can't hang out with sisters yeah this is why you know no touching no hand holding no nothing you know okay no you can't go to the dance at your school no you can't like you yeah. know have a sleepover you know yeah. any of that kind of stuff yeah so okay now see that's really interesting to me because for me i remember i remember my parents specifically my dad telling me all that stuff at a super young age like four or five mm. he told me like this is what the fall is this is what sex is this is like like this is what your lineage is this is why you have to stay pure all this sort of stuff like so I remember like, like, like from a super young age, he t- told me in like very like clinical terms, like what sex is. Um, it's, it's entirely possible that I learned that at that young of an age. I yeah. just really don't remember. Maybe you just don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And so it could be that it could be like sort of, so I'm seven or eight years older than, older than you as well. So I was coming mm-hmm. up at like an earlier time in the church. Also, every family's different. Parents have different approaches to it as well. So who knows, but yeah, for me, it's interesting that like this time in your life, you know, later on is the first time you feel like you're really sort of sort of approached directly with that. With yeah, that worldview. This is when I start to really like when it really starts to sink in, especially because, you know, now I'm starting to realize what sex is and yeah. that, that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, sex actually becomes interesting and you yeah. want to know about it. Yeah. Um, but but um, so. I kind of enjoyed the Ilsham ceremony because I, I, it was like, okay, well, maybe I should, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should be pure. And I it was, it was constant back and forth of feeling like I'm, I'm sinful. I'm worthless. I'm probably fallen, but I can't tell anybody about it. Mm. I'm still holding all that guilt from when I was five years old um, and feeling like if I go through with the ceremony, then maybe I can be good, you know? I'm just, I'm constantly torn between the two worlds, feeling like I want to be a good child of God, a good BC, a blessed child. And then other times I'm like, no, all this seems really strange. Fuck this. I'm, mm. I'm doing my own thing. So yeah. never really knowing. Um, but I, that, at that age, I was very much into symbolism and I got the, the purity ring. I got the, the mm. true love weight yeah. spring. And I ended up getting th- three of them. Uh, the first one snapped in half. It was like a really <laughs> cheap, thin metal, and it just broke okay. Okay. and snapped off. Right. Uh, the second one, um, it, uh, I think it also broke and then disappeared. And then the third one <laughs> fell into an air vent. Uh, I think the universe is trying to tell you something here. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what I took it as. I was was like, well, okay. I guess this isn't for me then. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, around that time, actually. um, So, you know, I started to understand more what sex was about attraction and that sort of thing um and then i had the horrible realization that oh god i think i might like boys as well that's probably not good that must have been wait so how old 
I wanted to call it there so that the focus of the next episode could primarily be upon Yosei's experience coming out. I don't think this will shock you, but coming out as gay in the Unification Church does not make things better. It invariably makes things worse. And considering the low bar for the treatment of an individual that was set in the first half of this interview, that's saying something. Can someone in the Unification Church please tell me how any of what you've just listened to is fucking acceptable? Someone call me and tell me how, tell me again how you're building ideal families. Tell me again about the true love that only you know how to give. Did you give true love to this kid, Yose? When you made him think that it was his fault that his mother died? Is that true love? Is that what true love looks like? Seriously, someone in the Unification Church fucking call me and tell me how this shit is justified. Someone call me, because that shit is not justified, motherfuckers. Can I also give a special shout-out to Cha-Cha? I just want to go back. I just want to go back to being with Cha-Cha, because she sounds like the fucking bomb, and I just want to have, like, a homage. Like, Cha-Cha, I salute you for giving Yose a smidgen of unconditional love and stability in his life. Thank you, Cha-Cha. This one's for you. Please, everyone, stick around for next week with Yose. It is a riveting interview. And thank you again, Yose, for getting involved. Peace, y'all. I'm out.